Welcome back to the Dan Proft Show. I'm John Hederacher from Powerline filling in for Dan tonight, and we are joined now by Jed Babin, former United States Deputy, Deputy Undersecretary of Defense and a contributor to the Washington Times and the American Spectator. Jed, thanks for being on the program. Hey, great to be with you, John. Jed, you've got a piece in The Spectator, which is uh, titled uh, Eating Biden's Lunch, and it's about uh, Biden and China. And Maybe just uh, let's just jump into that. What's what's your theme here? Well, the basic point here is Biden is very soft on China and uh, his recent telephone call with Chinese President Xi Jinping uh, just shows how well the uh, <laughs> the Chinese are able to maneuver him in and out of things that we may not want him to be doing. Uh, he's kind of gullible and uh, he's calling it and proving it every day. And what are some of the issues? You know, what's on the table right now between us and China where, where Biden has got to understand, you know, where our interests lie? Well, there are so many of them. It's, it's kind of hard to parse them all out. But let's just start with some of the highlights. Um, last, I think it was two weeks ago, uh, he revoked Trump's executive order that prohibited foreign companies, a.k.a. China and Russia, countries like that, uh, for providing, from providing uh, computer and electronic equipment that would uh, control our power grid. So by doing that, by revoking Trump's order, uh, basically Biden is inviting China or Russia or North Korea or whoever to uh, sell us in very great discounts some sort of equipment that they can control the power grid with. I mean, there's so many things like that going on. Uh, You know, you see his order this past week uh, that would, again, revoking a Trump order, uh, which would have required the uh, colleges and universities uh, to tell us, to tell the government, uh, if they are involved with these Confucius Institutes. The Confucius Institutes are Chinese government-operated institutions which are infiltrating our colleges and universities, getting them to change the curricula and make them more friendly to China. Uh, It just, it goes on and on from there. I mean, we're talking about Huawei and 5G to, uh, to pretty much anything in the South China Sea, to trade or whatever. China is engaged in everything we do, and, and they're doing very well in trying to overtake us and, uh, quite frankly, control us. You know, it's puzzling to me, uh, Jed, why, why would Joe Biden uh, reverse Trump's executive order and allow uh, China and Russia to sell equipment that can control our electricity grid? I mean, what's, what's the argument for doing that? I don't think there is one, John, frankly. I mean, the only thing you can say is that he wants to you know, open up more trade or whatever, but that's just a fallacy. I mean, he does not have the ability. His mind does not connect national security to domestic policy. So it's not something that you would expect him to do. And, you know, he's going up and doing things like, you know, revoking that order and enabling China uh, to basically control our power grid, which is really a bizarre and a huge risk to national security. You know, what you, you made the comment, and I think it's a brilliant observation in this, in this piece in The Spectator, that Joe Biden just doesn't understand the relationship between domestic policy and, and foreign policy. And that was something uh, President Trump, to his credit, did understand. And so now we have Joe Biden, whose top domestic priority seems to be climate change, you know, and green energy and all this, this stuff. And how, do, how does that, how, does, how do the Chinese, you know, look on that, that, that priority? Well, they look at it in two ways. Number one, for their own case and domestically in China, you know, they're building coal-fired power plants as fast as they can build them. And that is, of course, one of the greatest 
carbon emitters in the entire world. China is, I believe, the first uh, among the carbon emitters. We are the second and India is the third. So Biden is joining, rejoined, has rejoined the Paris Accord on Climate Change, which is going to well, effectively strangle our economy. And uh, China and India are going their merry way. They're not obeying any of the restrictions and they're just not going to be participating in whatever you know, climate change initiatives Biden is coming up with. He wants to be the climate change president. And Xi Jinping really played on that in this phone call the two had last week. And he's talking about spending billions on climate change. Yeah, well, maybe. But the fact of the matter is he's increasing Biden's not only tension, uh, but his desire, his great desire to be the climate change president. And Lord only knows what's going to happen. I mean, you're seeing it right now. Actually, you are going to see right, right now what's happening in Texas. You know, you've got wind turbines trying to produce electricity. Well, guess what? They're frozen and uh, they're not working. So you want weather-dependent energy supplies? That's what you're going to get with Mr. Biden. Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm in Minnesota, Jed, and of course, we, we, know, we are well aware of the fact that when it gets cold, wind turbines don't work. In fact, they suck up energy because you've got to heat, uh, heat the motors. I mean, it's just unbelievable. But, but you're right. Yeah. These blackouts we're seeing, this is, this is the future that Joe Biden apparently wants. We've got to run to a break. We're going to be back uh, with more with Jed Babin after these messages. Oh, I'm back. I'm Listen, the more you'll know, this is, this is the Dan Proft Show. Welcome back to the Dan Proft Show. We are talking with former uh, Deputy Undersecretary of Defense, uh, Jed Babin. And before the break, Jed, we were talking about the kind of perverse devotion that that Joe Biden and his administration have to green energy, climate change, and so on, and how that plays right into the hands of adversaries like China. Yeah, and, you know, I saw a picture the other day. You probably saw it, too. Uh, It really sums up what this whole green energy nonsense is about, and I use the term nonsense advisedly. There was a helicopter trying to spray a de-icer compound on one of those frozen wind turbines in texas now of course the helicopter is burning fuel tens of gallons a minute and what they're spraying on the uh, turbine the wind turbine is a carbon-based an oil petroleum-based fluid to try to de-ice it and then of course the wind turbine itself which is made of petroleum products so you know this whole green energy thing wind energy solar energy it's all very nice when the sun is shining and the wind is blowing. When the temperature drops, as you said earlier, it's just, it just doesn't work. Well, it's a disaster, but it's not only when it's cold. I mean, the most efficient wind turbines produce electricity about 40% of the time. 60% of the time, you're burning natural gas. They always pair up, you know, wind and natural <laughs> gas. And so the idea that there's ever going to be, uh, you know, total reliance on wind and solar, I mean, these are really obsolete technologies. But, but I, I want in the time we have remaining, uh, Jed, to kind of do a little bit of a world tour. And again, I, I, I love your comment that Joe Biden seems unable to understand the relationship between domestic policy and foreign policy. Let's talk about Russia a little bit, because Donald Trump really stood up to Russia in a number of ways, but the most important by far was encouraging the production of American 
oil and gas. You know, Russia's been described as a heavily armed gas station. You know, that's basically their economy. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. I might, that's pretty good. I might steal that. Oh, you should steal it. It's a great line. But so here again, so so by by the first thing he does in office, Joe Biden cracks out on fracking. There's nothing that could possibly please the Russians more. Well, and the thing is, again, he's not connecting national defense and foreign policy with domestic policy and domestic needs. He doesn't see where the two intersect and he doesn't understand the necessary connection between them. So what is he doing now with regard to Russia? Frankly, not much. But you have an, an, a, a situation here with uh, Alexei Navalny, the only real effective opponent to Vladimir Putin. Uh, at first, they tried to poison him. Oh, I'm sure Putin wasn't involved in that. And now they've got him in prison. So what is Mr. Biden saying about that? Um, nothing. You know, he has an opportunity here to pressure Russia, to pressure Putin. And, well, he's out to lunch. He just doesn't think it's very important. So one of the areas where uh, where Donald Trump was very successful in foreign policy was the Middle East. Uh, you know, he pulled us out of the this, this foolish Iran deal where we gave him the money up front in exchange for promises, which were, you know, essentially worthless. And uh, and so, of course, now uh, Biden and John Kerry want to want to resume that relationship for whatever purpose. And um, and we see the spectacle of um, of Joe Biden apparently calling every every world leader with, with one exception, Benjamin Netanyahu. Where, where, where do you see Biden heading heading in that region? Well, there's a, there's a lot to parse out there. Uh, let's start with Netanyahu. The fact is that Biden doesn't like Netanyahu on a very personal basis. Obama didn't either. Uh, Biden, I think it goes back to uh, don't hold me to the date, but it was like 20. 12 or 2011, uh, when Biden was visiting Israel and uh, Netanyahu took the opportunity to announce a whole bunch of new settlements in uh, the West Bank, and Biden took that personally. So, you know, it's the kind of thing where the personal animosity between the two is not going to portend well for our relations in the Middle East. And the fact is that he's snubbing Netanyahu and snubbing Israel. I think it may not be as bad as it was under Obama. But Mr. Biden is going to be a very anti-Israel, anti-Netanyahu president. And that's dangerous for us and it's dangerous for the Middle East. Um, if you want to talk about Iran and the whole business, business of the so-called JCPOA, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, the 2015 uh, nuclear weapons deal that Obama signed with Iran, uh, Biden now wants to get us back into it. Thank God Trump got us out in 2018, but now Biden wants to get us back in. And what he's trying to do, quite frankly, as I wrote in the Washington Times the other day, uh, he's putting a smile on Ayatollah Khomeini's face because he's doing two things. Number one, he's trying to bribe Iran into getting into the deal, into compliance itself. Of course, Iran is in multiple ways violating the agreement from enriching uranium to creating uranium metal to a whole variety of things. Uh, And they're not complying. He wants them to comply. They're saying we're not going to do anything to comply until you first relieve us of all the sanctions that Trump imposed. And Biden says, oh, no, no, I don't want to do that. But in the meantime, he's trying to bribe them into various things. Well, for example, he uh, canceled our support for the Saudis' war with uh, the Yemeni tribe, the Houthis, uh, which are, of course, backed by Iran. Uh, He's also holding up arms sales to uh, Saudi Arabia and to the UAE, the United Arab Emirates, which, of course, uh, part of the reason they signed, the UAE signed the uh, Abraham Accords, which were historic and really would have led to 
uh, peace in the Middle East was, you know, they were isolating Iran. They were getting into a peace agreement with Israel. And now Biden is undercutting that because sale of the F-35s to the UAE was part of the price that the UAE agreed to uh, to sign those accords. So you have Biden trying to bribe Iran by doing those things, both of those things, the Saudi ending support for the Saudi war, ending the uh, or stopping the uh, arms sales. Those are both things that were intended to 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 basically. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm stuck stuck with the word for a second. They're trying to bribe Iran into getting back into the deal. The other thing that's putting a smile on the Ayatollah's face is Biden is putting an awful lot of anti-Israeli people in his administration. You know, number one is John right. Kerry. Number right. two is Susan Rice. And now they have, well, just a, a bunch of others. Uh, there's some Matt Dunst or something like that who was... Um, yeah, some of these second-level people have got terrible records of being anti-Israel. That's right. Well, yeah, this this guy, uh, I forget his first name, but his name, last name is Bittar. And uh, he served in the Obama National Security Council. He's now going to be the director of intelligence operations for the Middle East for Biden. And he's a Palestinian-American. He's got loyalties, which I suspect are not entirely to the United States, and certainly he will have an oppositional attitude towards Israel. We're going to have to leave it there. Uh, Jed Babin, thanks for being on the show. It's shaping up as a long four years in foreign policy. I think we can sum it Amen, up. Amen, brother. That way. And thanks you all for, thank you all for listening to the Dan Prop Show. Show at danproftshow.com.